Almighty. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we just thank you that we can come here tonight. Lord, we thank you for your presence here and I pray you would just increase in this place. Lord, we focus upon you right now. We set aside all the things of the day and even of this evening. And Lord, we focus upon you. We invite heaven in this place. Angels, I invite you to be here to assist heaven in this place. We want to see and we want to hear. I pray in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen. I have on my heart tonight to uh, share entering into the heavenly realms through prayer. Now, prayer is just talking to God. So it's entering into, into God's presence, into the heavenly spaces, into the things we've been talking about all year. And uh, at the top of my page, I've got picture this. And you'll understand why I've said that in a few minutes. But I just want, want you to just kind of just lay aside all the busyness and just focus tonight on Jesus. Focus on him. Because when we're entering into heavenly places and being able to commune in the, in the spirit realm, with God, not just down here kind of knocking, but actually stepping into him. You've got to push aside all the things of the world. And uh, Proverbs 16 verse 3 in the Amplifier says, to let go of the cares of the world, and it says, commit your works upon the Lord. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust him wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and so your plans will be established and succeed. So when, when you are wanting to focus, it's really important to do a couple of things that I'm going to talk about first. And one of them is to lay aside all the cares and anxieties and worries of here and just to give them over to God. You know, Mark chapter 4 talks about the seed and the sower. And I know we've talked about that, which Philip shared on camp, I think. And uh, Mark chapter 4, it says, There was other seed, in verse 7, fell among thorn plants. And the thistles grew and pressed together and utterly choked and suffocated it and it yielded no grain. That's when the sower went out and sowed the seed, you know, and he sowed some on good ground and some fell on rocky ground and some fell on the thorny ground. And that little seed that fell on thorny ground, that's the one I want to talk about, is it got squished out. You know, all these thorns sprang up and all these prickles and double Gs and stuff came and squished out the little grain seed and it did not produce anything. And they said, what does that mean, Jesus? And he says, it's the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word and then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasures and delight of riches and the cravings and passionate desire for other things, I like the Amplified, creep in and choke and suffocate the world and it becomes fruitless. Well, I could just say anxieties, but no, when you think about distractions and the pleasures and passions and craving and desire for other things because that's what happens is they come in and they choke out what God has said or what God has revealed to us and so they become fruitless in our life. You wonder why you don't grow? Check what's in your heart. Check what's in your spirit. What's happening? You know, what's affecting you? Because it'll be that the word that God has spoken, the word that is shared with you gets crowded out and it doesn't bear any fruit. God wants us to be the, 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 the soil that he speaks and it springs up 30, 60, 100 fold of what has been planted in there and the word bears fruit in our life. 
But too often when God's trying to reveal stuff to us and he's trying to show us heavenly things and he's trying to show us the things of the Spirit, but the cares and anxieties and desire for other things come in and crowd out our ability to see and our ability to hear. And if we do hear and see, then it gets pushed out because we've got so much other stuff in our hearts and in our lives. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon or money. Cares of the world, desire for other things, and riches and desire to put money first rather than God. And often we think, we take that verse and we go, oh, well, then money must be bad and we shouldn't desire to be blessed and prosper. That's not what it's saying. Jesus said straight after that, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're gonna, how you're going to live. He's talking about serve him because money is meant to serve us. Who is speaking and whose voice is the loudest is what he's saying. Is God's voice the loudest or is money? Because money can speak. Did you know that? Money can speak and you can easily find yourself serving and being a servant to money. It directs you, it can control you, it makes demands on you, it causes you to negotiate, and it puts limits on you. Money talks, doesn't it? You say, oh, well, I can't afford to do that. Oh, I'll just have to check that. Or I'll just depend on, you know, well, I've got my paycheck coming. God says we're not to live like that. He says you put me first and you do my way of thinking and doing things and I will provide. And yet we, too often, we actually end up Even though we don't mean to, we end up serving money because money is talking to us. And I had this revelation this week that I serve God and I don't serve money. Money serves me and I speak to money and I tell money to come into my hand and I say, Harvest, you come into my hand. You've got actually to speak to money because otherwise it's speaking to you and if you're doing what it says or you're holding back or you're putting limits, then you've made money the one who speaks rather than him who speaks. Now, I'm telling you that because it sets you to the point where if you are letting God speak and you're telling money what to do, where you're laying aside the cares and anxieties of the world and the desire for other things, then you're going to see and then you're going to hear and then it's going to provide fruit and it's going to grow what God has for us in our life. Watch out for the cares of the world and watch out for that talking money. Next time it goes, hello. No, you can't do that. Oh, you've got to wait till you get paid. Do you really think you should be buying that? You turn around and you talk to that money. It's meant to serve you, not us serve it. And God is our provider, not our bank account, not our paycheck, not our pension. God is our provider. So the cares of the world too easily pull us out of being able to enter into spiritual things, being able to see what God is seeing, being able to hear what he is saying being able to grow in him. Too often the cares and the concerns of the world pull us out of being able to experience heavenly places. You know, we need to get those things straight in our life so that we put him first and we don't allow stuff to get in the way or circumstances to get in the way. You know, God spoke to me about letting go of the cares of the world when I first heard him when I was at Justin Abraham's meeting a couple of years ago 
and uh, I had this encounter with God and the presence of God was on me and I was like, felt like I was being pulled off the floor and, and it was like this full-on power on me. And he said, you can come up here anytime you want. And I went, what? He says, you can come up anytime you want. And I went, well, okay. And I said, how do I do that? And he says, you let go of the world. You let go of the world. And Colossians 3 says that. It says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He said, let go of the world. Let go of the cares and the anxieties and the busyness. Because we're all busy, aren't we? My schedule's crazy. But God is in charge of my schedule. And it's like we've got to let go and let God and set our minds on him and focus upon him. And when we do that, he works out all the rest. And it's really important to note that and to regard what I have to share tonight. Because I want us to grow and being able to move and operate in the spirit, being able to move and operate in heavenly things because that's where the power is. That's where the revelation is. That's where the change is when we're able to step into that place. But the cares and the worries and the desire for other things and money will keep on pulling us out because the devil knows if he can get you down here stuck in with the stuff of the world that you're going to keep on being pulled out of the things that God wants you to reach into. Because he knows when you've got it, you're going to kick his butt. He knows when you've got it, you're going to have boldness come on you and courage come on you and you're going to go out and make disciples and change the world. So the devil's plan and all his hordes is to keep us bogged down in the things of the world and he has demons that track us and they know your little thing. They know what gets you. They know what gets you worried and they'll track you and they'll whisper at you and they'll make circumstances try to line up and that's why we've got to be wised up and know that God is for us and to walk in the spirit, the Bible says, and not in the flesh. And too often we just do things on the natural level instead of seeing with the spiritual eyes. So we've got to watch out because stepping through the door into heavenly places is what God wants us to do. He wants us to walk in the spirit, not in our flesh, not in our natural mind. He wants us to set our mind on heavenly things Because when we do that, everything works out down here. Stuff happens. He provides. He directs. There's angels busy helping you out. It doesn't have to be toil. No toil. That's part of the curse. We're under the blessing. So we don't have to, you know, we make it so hard because we try to do it just the world's way. We're free from that. So I've been thinking about that this week. And about how we're to set our mind on God and to keep ourselves out of that. So I want you to keep in mind that as I'm sharing tonight, okay? Keep, your smart, keep free from the anxieties and know that God is our provider. So I've been thinking on the power of a godly imagination. Because we possess both physical eyes to see the natural world as well as spiritual eyes which can enable us to see the future and the spirit realm. You don't have to go to a clairvoyant to see what God has for you. God will show you. Now, there's lots of Christians that go off getting into stuff they shouldn't be because they want to know what's going to happen. And if you're doing that, you're digging into the dark side because it's counterfeit. There'll be an element of truth and the rest is the enemy trying to get you off track. So if you go to clairvoyance, stop. Stop. If you know somebody that goes to clairvoyance, 
counsel them not to because there's always a little bit of truth and then it gets off into the, into the evil side, into the stuff the enemy wants to lead people in. And so, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about God speaking to us and speaking to us in visions and dreams. And it's over 400 scriptures that refer to our imaginations. And as soon as I say that, you think, oh, because you think, well, imaginations and, and you know, visioning and that sort of thing, that's what the occult gets into. Well, their cult just stole from us. That's our stuff. That's God's stuff. All through the Bible, it talks about visions and dreams and, and imagination and God, and God showing people things. It's, we have physical eyes, but we also have spiritual eyes. And our spiritual eyes enable us to see the future. The word is, the Greek word is diana oye. And it's a, and it's a part of our mind that thinks in images and pictures. And you actually see it if you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 13. 1 Peter. Look at you all twirling on your Bibles. We're really veggie tonight, aren't we? Just kicked back there. 1 Peter. Has anybody got their Bibles with them tonight? On your phone. Uh Uh-huh. You know, the word is your sword, don't you? You know, that's the thing that you get out to fight with. So make sure you know where it is. <laughs> All right, first, pa- chap- first Peter chapter 13, oh, chapter 1 verse 13 says... Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Gird up the loins of your mind. The loins is the center part, the place of strength and a body. And that's why that word was used because it was is regarded as a center of physical strength and power. And the Greek word for gird up the loins of your mind is your imagination as a center of the power in your mind. So he's saying gird up your imagination. Gird up because your imagination is a strength of your mind and it's where God speaks. Gird up, strengthen your imagination because that's where God speaks. In other words, what you focus or meditate on powerfully determines what will develop in your life. Gird up, strengthen your imaginations because that's where the powerhouse is. You can either imagine things of good or you can imagine things of evil. Because you put your faith out and you spring it out, what you're imagining, your faith will connect to it. And if you're always thinking evil thoughts, evil, always thinking negative thoughts or things of disaster, you're connecting to that. And God says, gird up your mind, gird up your imaginations. Power, that's a powerhouse of who you are. The images being made on the inside of you is in here, is in your imaginations. The Bible speaks a lot about it. He says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In his heart is not in his head or his brain. It's in how do you think with your heart? It's in your imagination. The language of the heart is not words, it's pictures. 
and images. And where do you get those? In your imagination. And it's a God-given thing. If I say to you, dog, what image does it convey? But if I'm more specific and describe a dog called Molly, who is black and white Dalmatian, immediately you see a picture of that, don't you? In Numbers 13, verse 33, when the spies returned from the promised land, they said, the giants, the spies says, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. That wasn't a physical thing. Those spies that went into the promised land didn't suddenly turn into green grasshoppers. It's what they saw themselves in their heart as. It's the image in their imagination. They saw themselves as little grasshoppers compared to these giants in the land. It was how they imagined themselves. Whoever controls your imagination controls you. Whoever controls your imagination controls you. And God wants us to have a godly imagination. That's picturing things the Bible says are true. A godly imagination is picturing things the Bible says are true. And he wants to be in control of your imagination, not everything else, not your flesh, not the stuff of the world, and not the devil. A godly imagination is picturing things the Bible said is true. What image do you have on the inside of you? What are you imagining? Because the Bible says, gird up, strengthen your imagination, because that's where God wants to speak. You know, and I've talked about that, how I talked about switch on your brain and watching how your thought patterns were. And if you've got negative ones, then start to put the word in and good ones so that that unglues. Those negative things unglue. I've talked about that this year. And the reason I did that is because I know, and God's shown me, that if God can get hold of our thought life, if he can get hold of the things that we imagine and dream about, then he will be able to speak and change. And, and you know, revelation brings transformation. Revelation, imagination, revelation, transformation. It starts with the image of... In here, that comes to who about who we see ourselves as, what God is showing us, because that's going to bring revelation. And then that revelation brings transformation. Imagine, reveal, transformed. Amen? You got that. It's powerful stuff. And that's why we've got to work and focus and strengthen our imaginations. A woman came into a service in a wheelchair, and the Lord prompted the pastor to ask, if she'd ever seen herself walking. She was shocked. What do you mean, she replied. Well, close your eyes and start to see yourself getting out of your wheelchair and walking. She looked at the pastor as if he was stupid. You have to see yourself out of the wheelchair before before you will ever experience it, he told her. In fact, if you start seeing yourself walking, I believe it could happen quickly, as quickly as next Sunday. You see that man standing there, God revealed to him and he could see her getting out of the wheelchair walking and he just spoke it to her. Now, it was her choice what she would then imagine. Next Sunday came around and the pastor watched as uh, the car came up and she rolled up in her wheelchair. As she approached him, she started to cry and he wondered what was wrong. You told me if I started seeing myself walking, I could get out of this wheelchair by Sunday, she said to him. Yes, I remember telling you that, the pastor replied, still puzzled. Well, she said, I got out on Wednesday. Look at this. And with that, she stepped out of her wheelchair and started to walk. She was in Cole Stringer's church, if you want to know who that is. He's a pastor that is in Australia. 
the image inside of you, what do you see? She started to see herself walking. See yourself where God has promised. The promises that he started in you, he will be faithful to fulfill. He will perfect that which concerns you, the Bible says. What do you see? What do you see? Whoever controls your imagination controls you. God gave Abraham a vision of the stars of the sky and told him he would have many children in Genesis chapter 15. And that produced faith in Abraham's heart. God said, look up. He was trying to use his imagination. He said, get an image of what your descendants are going to look like. So many that you cannot count them. As many as the stars in the heavens, so shall your descendants be. He was saying, use your imagination because when you use your imagination, you're going to connect your faith with it and it's going to happen because we are to walk by faith. It's all about faith. If you want to live in the supernatural, spiritual realm that we are called as Christians to live, you've been taken out of the way of the world, taken out of the world of darkness, had the curse broken off you, and it says live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. To do that, you've got to tap into the way God does things, and He does things in visions and dreams and showing you a different image. Abraham looked up at the stars because that's where God told him to look, and he said, look up. And that's how many your descendants would be. He was talking about us, that we're grafted into the family of Abraham. We're sons and daughters of him. And it was like the story of salvation being played out in him. We're all his children. He's our great, great, great granddad. Amen? So here we have an example of godly imagery which produced faith in a man. And he was called the father of faith. Romans chapter 4. It says it started an image in his head. What is the image in you? What do you imagine? What do you see? What do you hear? What are you having revealed to you? Because I guarantee that it's far more than you can think or ask or dream and imagine. Ephesians 3.20. God has so much more and you imagine and God says he'll do more. So come on, dream more, imagine more because God will say he promised. Get out Ephesians 3.20 and and stomp around the house. God, she said, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing myself healed. I'm seeing my family saved. I'm seeing my husbands and wives in church with me. I'm seeing my kids reaching out and doing well at school and succeeding and my bills paid, traveling the world, whatever it is, raising the dead, healing the sick, whatever it is that God has planted in your heart, start to imagine because what you imagine, what you see, God says he will do far abundantly more than you can think or ask or imagine or dream. Come on now. Imagine. It's a God-given thing and the devil knows it. So he fills people's minds with things on television. Vision. Television. Because he knows if he can get you looking at the screen, looking at your phone, looking on the computer, he's got your vision. Who's got your vision? He's meant to have our vision. And the vision that he gives is found in his word. And he wants us to imagine when we're reading his word to meditate on it and imagine. Imagine you're walking along the road of Damascus. Imagine you're walking at the, you know, you're standing in front of the tomb waiting for Jesus. Imagine you're at the foot of the cross. Imagine you're there when the widow and her son is raised off the funeral bed. Imagine you're there when Lazarus comes forth. And you know what? When you do that, you're going to see some stuff in the spirit. You can go there, but we'll get to there in a minute. 
Imagine, much of the prophetic, God's speaking and seeing in the spirit, happens in our thought realm. It happens in our imagination. It's not just all in our mind, but it happens in the area of our mind and thoughts where the Holy Spirit often chooses to visit. God uses and starts with our imagination. So this is really important. Make your thoughts, your imagination, a holy place. If we want to see, we need to really take hold of the importance of having a sanctified imagination. Now that's a big church word. It means set apart, separated to be holy. Set your imagination apart to be holy. Watch what you're looking at. Watch what you're imagining. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says that Paul prays for us that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened or made to see. That word understanding means mind and imagination. So he prays that the eyes of our imagination would be enlightened. We need our imaginations to be enlightened and made holy to choose not to entertain carnal imagination which defiles our thoughts and our dreams. And the word carnal means appetites and passions of our body or our flesh. They're not spiritual. They're merely human, temporal, worldly. God wants us to have heavenly imaginations. He wants us to have imaginations of good and not evil, of blessing and not cursing. Amen? Many Christians are actually afraid of their imaginations, assuming that they're going to be evil or of the flesh. But imaginations are God-given to help us dream with him and to enter into his realm. So we don't need to be afraid of them. All you've got to do is exercise your spiritual senses and keep your heart and your attitudes pure. If you start to imagine things and you go, oh, that's not right, just check your heart. Have you got stuff in your life you need to deal with? Do you need to forgive somebody? you need to let go of an offence? Do you need to ask forgiveness of something that you should have been, shouldn't have been looking at or something that you shouldn't have said? Just keep your short accounts with the Lord because then your imaginations, you, you know, they're going to be kept holy. Repent, turn away from sin, those things that are displeasing to God. Sin is just those things that don't please him. And take captive every thought that rises up against God's way so that you can truly hear and receive him. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to pull down strongholds and that we can take captive every thought that rises up against the knowledge of Jesus. We can grab hold like a butterfly net and go around and just take, take hold of those thoughts and pull them down and go, what am I thinking about? And you can get rid of your stinking thinking. You can do that by saying, I take that thought captive, I give it to Jesus, I cast that care over to him, I give that offense to him, Lord, I forgive that person. You can actually take hold and change the way you think. Yes, you have to gird up your loins. It actually takes energy. But you can do it. It takes practice, but you can do it. Learn to trust your Father's ability to bless us more than fear the enemy's ability to deceive us. Don't be afraid of your imagination. Go, oh, I just don't want to think. I don't want to stop. Now listen to this. I don't want to stop because if I stop, I'm going to think. You're going to think anyway. It'll be in your dreams because an anxious mind has dreams and they're all muddled up and jumbled. If you don't stop and deal with the stuff of the day, the stuff that's happening, it's going to come out somewhere. You cannot suppress your imagination. It's going to come out somewhere. You've got to stop 
and take hold of those things you've been thinking about and roll over the care and, and worry of things. Just like when I said at the start, roll over and cast your cares upon him because he cares for you and get what he says about your life in your heart and in your mind and in your mouth. Does that make sense? And then you learn to trust that God's going to bless you. You're not going to be worried. If I stop, what am I going to imagine? Just keep on putting God's word in because the more you put it in, that's what's going to come out. That's what you're going to fill your imagination. Ask the Lord to make you more aware of his presence with you all the time. Turn your thoughts to him. He will respond by coming closer to you. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God. There are many times that we can actually start out with our imagination and we end up in the spirit realm. Hey, imagine you just sitting, you know, on a, on a park bench and we're hanging out with Jesus. Just imagine him beside you. Just imagine him beside you. Get in the habit of daydreaming with Jesus. Just recollect him. It's okay to do that. You know, we're taught sometimes as kids, oh, you're a daydreamer and that's a negative thing. I'm actually very blessed that I had my dad and my husband who are the ultimate daydreamers. If you need a lesson in daydream, go and see this man because he is a, he's a dreamer. But I tell you what, it's a God-given thing that he's not afraid to dream big dreams. You know, and it's not like, oh, you know, oh, you're dreaming. Oh, you know, it's just Philip. Oh, it was just my dad. Because in that, God was able to speak. And if your heart is right and you're rolling over the warrior things and you're keeping it that you're, he is first and not money speaking, then they're God things. Get into the habit of daydreaming with Jesus. Sit on a park bench. Picture yourself just walking along the beach with him or sitting at a campfire. All through the day when you're, your mind is free, even for a moment, Imagine that he is with you and you'll discover that it's not just your imagination, that he actually is there with you. Jesus filled the eyes of his listeners by constantly teaching with stories and pictures. You read through Matthew, he was always, t- he was always telling stories. He was always using pictures. Why was he doing that? Because he wanted you to imagine. <laughs> you go that way. <laughs> He was wanting us to imagine. A picture is worth a thousand words. So when I see something, it has the power to change me much more greatly than when I simply think a thought. That's why God says we are transformed or changed while we look at him. A picture has a thousand words. So what are you picturing? Think about what you're picturing all the time. When you see yourself clothed with Christ's robe of righteousness, that you're washed clean, that you're holy, that you're set apart, it influences you more greatly than simply recalling the scripture, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See yourself putting on a robe of righteousness. See yourself covered with him, that he's washed you clean. See yourself that you're whole and strong. You start to see yourself like that. Start to imagine yourself, what would it be like if I was whole? What would it be like if I was bold and courageous and wasn't scared anymore? What do I look like then? What does it look like when I'm a positive person instead of a negative person, where I'm a brave person instead of a fearful person, where I'm successful instead of a failure? What do I look like? Because when you start to see yourself like that, you're going to connect with the eyes of faith and you're going to step into the things of the spirit and that's where the things of the world are pulled down. 
You're transformed when you see that. Don't fix your eyes and thoughts on the problems and worry. That's using your imagination to empower fear and anxiety. Use your imagination instead to empower and magnify the bigness of God. Begin to imagine all that God will do in your life. Take the scriptures. If you've had a prophetic word, that's just a word that God's spoken over your life and he's given you, dream it. See yourself healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching in stadiums or starting orphanages, to have a job you love, to see your family saved and blessed, to be healthy and whole. Whatever he's put in your heart, see it. Imagine it because that's the image that God is trying to get in your heart. Establish and build into the image of what God says about you in your life instead of establishing and building what the world says or what the enemy is trying to throw on you, what the demons try to whisper in your ear. Establish what God says. What do you look like? Stand in front of them and picture yourself. You know, if you don't like who you are, then do something different. The whole greatest thing about foolishness is keep on doing the same thing and expecting a different result. If you don't like what's happened this year, then make a decision now to do something different tomorrow. Yes? Come on now. Establish who and build into the image of what God says about you, that you're above and not your belief, that you're a success and not a failure, that you're a winner, not a loser, that you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Come on now. That you're a success and not a failure that you're blessed as you come in and blessed as you go out, that you have the mind of Christ, that you're free. Get the image of who God says you are because when you get that image, you're going to start speaking it. You're going to start seeing it. And God says, write the vision before you. Make it plain that you might run with it. You know, we have a vision board smack in front of us as we go to bed, smack in front of us as we wake up. It's a vision board. You know what that vision board has on it? It has the cars that Philip want. It has the trip that we just took. It has the vow renewal that we just had. It has the house that we're believing for. And smack in the middle, the biggest of all, it has a crowd of 20,000 people. Amen? And that is what's in front of us. Because what you see, what you behold, is what you become. And that is God's thinking. And that is his way of doing things. So stop sitting there going, I don't like my life or if that's just for them, God says use your imagination to get the image of what he says about your life instead of all the rubbish that the world has been throwing at you. Stop living the lie under the curse and get hold of the blessing of Jesus has done everything for us on the cross. He's done it all already. Take hold of the blessings. Take hold of what he's done. He's not going to do it again. He's done it once it is finished, he said. Now come on now, stand up on the inside, and get a kick up your butts. Come on now, we do need to sometimes. I'm not going to be shy anymore. I'm not going to step back. I'm not going to let the world just run over me. I'm going to step forward and be all that Christ died to to give, give me. Otherwise, you're just making a mockery of the cross. If we're just as broke, just as broken, just as sick, just as poor as the world, what does that say? What does it say to the world who's crying out for answers? What does it say when we are broken and we will not take hold of his wholeness? What does it say when we have not enough to pay our bills, when he says, I became poor that you might be rich in every way? What does it say? It says that we're not taking hold of all that he took hold of us for. 
And we are not imagining that the image that we are imagining is not the image that he is giving us. We're still stuck in that old hag that got dead and buried and we've let it come up and yell at us again. Tell the hag to get back down in the ground. You are crucified with him and raised up into heavenly places. Establish and build into the image of what God says about you in your life. We're commanded to meditate on the world word, which involves prayerfully rolling it around in our hearts and minds. The Bible is full of pictures and stories. Picture as you think or ponder upon scripture. That you're courageous. Fear not, for I am with you. Joshua 1 verse 8. Get it out and look at it. I am with you. What does it mean for God to be with you? Fear not, for I am with you. What does that mean? What does it mean for God to be with you? And start to imagine God is with me. God is with me. Meditate. That's what it means to roll it around, to think about it, to build an image on the inside of you. Do it now. Close your eyes and think, God is with me. Imagine him there sitting right next to you. God is with me. God is with me. That's what it means to meditate. It's not that hard. We've just got to do it. God is with me. Rick Rowan in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, describes meditation this way. It's focused thinking. It takes serious effort to read a verse and reflect on it over and over in your mind and to imagine what does that mean? What would it have been like to be there? What is God saying? If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate because it's just rolling it around and around in your mind. Hmm. Look up all the times God speaks about meditation in the Bible and all the benefits he has promised to those who take the time to reflect on his word throughout the day. There's a lot of them. It's like you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water, Psalm 1, that everything you do will prosper. There's a lot of promises in the Bible about meditating, imagining, putting in God's word. When you meditate, ponder and reflect and imagine and God will start to speak and show you things. You can be taken places in the spirit, taken through time, back in time, into heavenly places, the courts, the throne rooms. He'll He'll show you things. He'll take you to see heavenly beings. You'll start to see the angelic. It all starts with you meditating and imagining and getting into God's word and then he'll start to speak. And it starts with his rolling all the cares and worries and anxieties, setting your imagination apart for him and making it holy and say, Lord, I just set my mind on you. I set my mind on your word. Reveal things to me. And as you start to imagine, as you start to focus on him, It'll change, it'll shift, and suddenly you're going to be showing things. Suddenly he's going to start to speak. Suddenly you'll see yourself doing things that God has planned for you. You'll get the plan and purpose for your life because God is going to start to show you because he speaks first through 
your imagination. And it's pondering upon the word that he starts in. God deposits dreams in your spirit, your heart and your mind. That's where he reveals so we can see. So the image inside of us starts to change. It's shaped by his word and revealed through his spirit in the spirit. You know, when I first, at the start of this year, I said I was, I was going to run 5Ks and I started to run. And I did that. And I'm running, running, running. But you know where it started? It started, I was spending some time with the Lord and I was just closing my eyes and I was just listening to him and just imagining and letting him speak. And I had this vision, I could see myself in my mind and this imagination of me running. Now anybody who knows my story knows that I had a knee disease when I was a teenager and I could not run. And, but I had, as a little kid, I'd ran long distance all the time, pushing mum up the hills and, and all sorts of things. And I loved to run. And then I got this disease in my knee and I, and I pretty much couldn't do anything until I was in my 20s and then I started having babies. So it was either babies or pregnancy. Can't run then. And then, so, and then he started to show me, though, myself running. And I'm like, oh, what's this guy? And he says, I want you to run. I said, why do you want me to run? He says, because it brings you joy. And so I started to see, and I would, I would just close my times. Every time I closed my eyes, I'd see myself running. So I started to run. I did the couch to 5Ks, and I, was, I did a little bit of running and a little bit more. And I get more and more and more. And, you know, the Lord taught me a lot about consistency and how I wasn't very consistent. And, you know, if you've heard that message, it's way back at the start of the year. And my, about when you get consistent in one area of life, it just flows over. That's what I learned from running. But it started in my imagination. I was just sitting with God and I just saw this picture of me running. Now, I would never have thought to run. I thought I'll just go from a walk. But I saw myself running. But when I run, I commune with God. He speaks to me. I'm out of the house. I have my worship music on and I'm running along. And, I, and he has shown me some stuff about myself. He's shown me stuff about church, about his world, about living above the light line. I got that when I was running because I saw it in the spirit first. I saw it in my imagination and he took me and then I started to see it and then I saw myself running and then I did it. But he first started with me just imagining what is it that God wants to reveal to you that he wants to plan in your heart that he has a plan for you and you're shutting it off because you won't imagine, that you won't take time because you're scared of your imagination or you're just too busy existing instead of living. God starts to speak through us taking the time to imagine. It takes time and focus and practice and we're not bound by the natural. God wants to shoot us off into heavenly things. He wants us to see I just want to finish with a little story about Isaac. Now, uh, he was stressed about something a few weeks ago and he was going to bed. And uh, ever since the kids have been really little, I've taught them to go to a secret place with Jesus and uh, to, to imagine. Now, I just did it because it was just something I, I did with the kids. That's what I do. I've done that since I was a little girl. I would sit on the hilltop outside our house and I would just imagine... We'd been with Jesus. Mum thought I was talking to the sheep. I was actually talking to Jesus. And, uh, and I would just imagine. So I, I find it, found it easy to teach the kids this. And uh, I remember talking to Shara, and, and she was just learning to go in the spirit and see things in the spirit. And she said, Mum, one day, she says, Mum, you know that place that I used to imagine as I was a little kid, you know, sitting, sitting with Jesus? She said, 
I actually went there. That's actually a real place. I thought it was just what I did as a little kid, but it's a real place. And she, and she recognized it in the spirit when she was a, as an adult. As I was putting Isaac to bed, I said, Isaac, I just want you to imagine yourself with Jesus in a really cool place. If this helps, borrow this, okay? So just be in a field under a tree. Close your eyes and see if you can do this with me. Under a tree, the sun's shining, there's a gentle breeze, there's a stream running by, there's bubbling away, the birds are tweeting. (laughs) And there's a picnic there and it's got your favourite things to eat on it. There's no calories in the spirit, so you can eat whatever you want. There's even candles, Val. And there's Jesus there on the picnic blanket with you. And you're just hanging out with him. And you're doing your favourite things. Now, Isaac, I said, Isaac, there's this box there. What can you take out of the box? And I just, you know, it's like the Santa's sack with a never-ending bottom to it. And he was just taking things out of the box. And uh, I left him. I left him and I said, I want you to just stay with Jesus and you can just stay in that place with him all night. Well, he comes running up to me in the morning and he says, Mummy, I stayed there with Jesus all night in my dreams. And he spoke to me and we had fun. I said, what did you pull out of the box? He says, it just kept on getting bigger and bigger things. I pulled out a crane to play with and a skateboard. And he says, and then we were playing in the stream and Jesus was laughing at me and And he just hung out with Jesus, but he stayed in that place the whole night. I said, well, you're afraid? And he says, no. I was with Jesus the whole night. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. I was just teaching him to go to the secret place just like I did with you just then. Close your eyes and imagine yourself with Jesus because when you do that, he's there with you and he'll take you places. And that's where I started. I just started by sinning with him in my secret special place. And then he started to show me things and he started to take me to the courts. I started to see people, the cloud of witnesses, Abraham, Sarah but I started with just going to my secret place and if a little boy of six can do it the Bible says to be like little children and use your imagination just set it apart for him and don't be afraid of it amen let's pray together Lord I just pray over our imaginations Lord that we right now would set them apart for you. We just cast down every imagination that has risen up against you. We pull it down right now in Jesus' name and lay it at the foot of the cross. Any negative thoughts, any thoughts of evil, any thoughts of fear, we pull those down right now. Unforgiveness, we just choose to forgive right now anyone who has hurt us, any offence, we let it go. Lord, that we would just be free, washed by you, Lord. We see ourselves washed, clean and whole. Whiter than snow on the inside. 
and we set apart our imaginations for you, Lord, that we would have heavenly thoughts and see, Lord, and know you more and experience you that we might be transformed from glory to glory. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Reveal Jesus to us. Reveal your purpose and your plan. Show us things. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Have fun this week. Hang out with Jesus. It's powerful stuff. Bless you.